Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, June 20th. It's on how to approach the intake process without spending hours on assessments. As BCBAs, we know that sometimes the new learner intake process can seem to take forever, but our learners need to get started with programming and make progress as soon as possible. So how can we streamline the intake process so that it doesn't consist of hours of assessments? Join us live on Thursday, June 20th at 12 p.m. Eastern time, as Sheer and I walk you through our intake process with lots of video exemplars of different learners and teach you how to use our assessment with ease. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At HowToABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. Hi, everyone. Today, we are talking to Angie Pickering who is a consultant who lives in Portland, Oregon, but um, beyond the consulting piece, she has a lot of interesting things going on. Where she finds the time, I don't know, but I guess we'll find out. Um, So welcome, Angie. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to share some time with you two. I feel like from a distance, I have been a happy member of How to ABA for a while, and I just adore listening to both of you and attending your live lectures. And so thank you for everything that you guys are doing. And it's so nice to thank you. Um, (laughs) But for me, it's so nice to be able to put a face behind the name. Um, Because often when I'm giving the webinars, I see people's names and I do see your name a lot. And thank you for attending. That makes my day. Um, But so it's nice to finally actually meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet the people behind the screen. Oh. So <laughs> it's nice to do this. So if you could start by telling us a little bit about you, what you do in the field, maybe how you got to what you're doing, um, give us some background. Okay. So as you stated, yes, super busy, but kind of in all the exciting places it feels like right now. Um, so I was a typical nine to five clinic based ABA for quite a few years. I've been in the field since 2006, actually. Um, So I started off working in Northern California, a small town called Chico, California, and have watched ABA just evolve throughout the years. And it's been very exciting to watch. I feel like we're in this space of just kind of a lot of reflection and hopefully moving in a direction of a lot more um, client-centered care, and that makes me very, very excited right now for ABA. So about um, six months ago, I decided to make the shift of working for somebody else and to go into business for myself. And so I started a consulting business and offering kind of a various different supports for either clinics and or BCBAs directly. Um, So I have a certification in pivotal response treatment, and I have had a couple clinics come to me that want focused training for their staff. 
Um, so I've hosted a few workshops for them, as well as offered some remote training for various net-based um, interventions. Right now, I'm working with some clinics in Montana that I'm having a lot of fun with. I just was in Montana a couple weeks ago. And I also teach at Portland State University, um, an adjunct there. And let's see all the other things. There's more. There's more. Wait. Wait. There's there's five more things. (laughs) Um, So one of the most exciting things is I'm developing an app currently. Um, So as we know, the board puts out their standards for what the unique uh, documentation system should look like for trainees. So I am designing an app with an awesome team in the Bay Area um, that's going to just make that a lot more accessible, user-friendly, and really just at your fingertips. We all know that we have our phones with us constantly. And what I've seen time and time again is trainees are having to go back to a desktop computer or their laptop access their very in-depth Excel document to input their hours at the end of the day. And I thought, what if we could just have this on our phones through an app and you're seeing a kid, you can clock in, clock out, see who your supervisor is. So I'm working on that. Wow, um, I love that idea because like as organized as I am as a supervisor, the hardest thing I find is remembering to track the meetings because I also have to track them for my documentation. Yep. And, you know, I have a system and it's all organized in my drive, but like, I forget. It's one more <laughs> thing to go to. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the month, you press that reconcile button and systems crash or things don't add up or there's one box that's just missing and it's so frustrating. Totally. I think we've all experienced that or you have like the document totally um, go haywire on you and you're getting ready to apply for your exam and you're like, oh my gosh, these 1500 hours and all of this data, uh, what if I just lost it? So how nice could it be if that information was just stored on a server for you and you just had to access it through the an app of um, an outside resource? So I'm hoping that I'm going to be solving a problem that all of us have faced and have numerous stories of maybe some horror stories of losing information, um, as well as sticking to the standards that the board has set forth. That's great. So what's the app called? So the app is called Tracker with an appointment. And can I be the first in line to get it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Pilot project. Yeah, it's tracker okay, so with an affirmation point at the end. Okay. And when's it'll, when are you hoping that it's available? So we're hoping for a February 2022 launch. So it'll be right, right after the fifth edition task list. And um, we will be f- formatting everything for the fifth edition. Amazing. That's wow. great. Yeah. I, uh, I can't wait to see that in fruition. And uh, I wish you all the best of luck with that because it is so needed, like you said. Oh. Yeah, so clearly, um, you know, you recognize, I think, a need that we all have. Um, and after being in the field for as many years as you've been, and clearly, like, you know, you're trying to solve problems that are problems for us in the field. Mm-hmm. What do you, do you see this as being like a, the biggest challenge to our field in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, is it the supervision or time management, or you do a lot of training? Like, where do you see that biggest challenge being? So I think the number one thing is, we have such limited amount of time. A lot of us have large caseloads that we're seeing many families that we're trying to do parent training with and quality for our trainees 
tends to kind of take the brunt um, because we're just trying to get the trainees out the door and to the next caseload. So I'm really hoping that my consulting business is going to be focusing on helping us to streamline some systems in order to impact quality. And I think the first place that I wanted to start was with this unique documentation system that all of us are needing to utilize and then store these documents for seven years. Um, And if we could just have something that's efficient and accessible, great, we can solve that problem. Um, I also do uh, remote supervision for trainees. So if any trainees are looking for remote supervision, feel free to reach out. Um, I'll leave my email with you all. What's the name of that business? Uh, it's just through my consulting firm. So AKP Consulting. Okay. So yeah. we'll put all these notes in the show notes and we'll have your contact information in the show notes as well. So anybody who's interested in that can go to the show notes and check that mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I mean, I, we, I know people are always looking for quality supervision. It's definitely something that we need to do better on. But, you know, as a supervisor, and I hear this from a lot of other supervisors as well, it's hard to, you know, tap into our motivation. And depending where you work, it's very hard to, you know, take the time of our busy schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, where's the incentive? Like, how do you incentivize supervisors to provide quality supervision? Like the supervisees are usually motivated. And even if they are motivated, they can't get it. Um, So how can we change it for the supervisors Mm -hmm. to be able to tap into how to motivate them to provide quality? Because it's so negatively reinforcing to just end that meeting, right? There's so much more in it to like get my time back. I don't want to spend time with you. I don't get paid for it. (laughs) And it only takes time and energy. So when time is our most valuable commodity, how how do you change that? Well, I mean, I think if we go back to that lens of efficiency... I love, I know that um, ABA Visualize, they just let a curriculum out for supervisors. Um, Linda LeBlanc has an amazing new book called Supervisor and Mentor. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet. I love Linda LeBlanc. She was one of my professors. She's phenomenal. So good. Um, She's actually speaking next week at uh, the Nevada Association for Applied Behavior Analysis, their conference specifically with this book. And I think that it's just that framework of like, when I am in the supervisor seat, what am I supposed to train my supervisee on where I'm not having to develop all of the content? And I know that your website is so helpful. Um, I went to a webinar, I believe last month or the month before on supervision, and you gave some really, really helpful resources on documentation, as well as just a framework to kind of follow. Amazing. Oh, thank you. I know we need those resources. That's why we do the webinars, right? (laughs) Um, So Kat, the person who did the webinar for us is actually in the process of developing a bunch of supervision materials that we'll be putting out in the next couple months as well. So we're excited about that. Because you're right. Like if you lower the response cost, right? If you make it more accessible and easier and create something more standardized, that something like a curriculum that I could follow, then, you know, response effort is the right word, then I might be more willing to engage in that behavior, right? If it's not as difficult for me. Um, So I do think our field should work on, you know, with people like you and people who are helping support the supervision that we're all doing and making it easier and making that curriculum and coming out with tools to not make it as time consuming. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hope as our field moves forward and, 
you know, I think last year we had over like 12,000 people apply to sit for the exam Mm -hmm. that we have more and more university support on maybe everything in that framework to provide in that practicum experience. But I know that our board isn't in that space yet, but spaces like, you know, physical therapy and occupational therapy, it's very common to have a very set curriculum and framework that us as the clinicians can follow. And hopefully we can move in that direction to just increase efficiency because it's it's taxing to be in the driver's seat of the clinician and you have the caseload, you have parent training, you have supervision for your trainees and you're like, where do I find time? You know? And you know that the better you train them, the sooner they'll leave <laughs> with some people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's really tricky for sure. Yeah. What do you think is kind of from your lens of, you know, disseminating all this information to how to ABA membership um, clinicians, how, how do you think that's impacting the field in the long run? Hopefully positively. That's a great question. I mean, we set this up because there's a lot of people out there who aren't getting the right supervision, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of BCBAs out there who, you know, get their, you know, qualifications, they sit for the exam, they pass, and then they go, I got it. Oh, crap. Now what? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that imposter syndrome of like, okay, now I actually have to, oh my gosh, I have to practice now. What do I do? So, you know, we set this up for those people to be able to say, look, there's support out there. There's guidance, right? Yeah. I mean, until now, anyone who just passed the exam can provide supervision. There was no, you know, now there'll be a requirement of practicing for a year, which is like kind of mind boggling. Like I have no idea what I'm doing yet. I can train someone else to to do the same thing. Um, So we found that a lot of people either that we encounter that we work with, um, or through the website, we're just lost. Like after they passed the exam, it was only the beginning of the journey. It wasn't the end of the journey. Um, so we really want to be able to support them through the journey so that by impacting the practitioner, we can then indirectly impact the field so that the clients are getting better quality ABA, that the, the um, practitioners, even if they didn't get good supervision, can still get support, could still get their questions answered. Um, so, I mean, that, that's our goal and that's our hope for, for the whole, you know, community. And now what we're seeing is we're seeing these members who've been with us for a while. I mean, we're still getting new members joining, you know, but we're seeing these members who've been with us for a while who are now very competent and they're staying with us. And I'm like, yay, we're, you know, but they're staying because now they're able to offer value to other people Mm -hmm. as well. And it's really nice because, you know, we've been doing this now for a while and we're seeing this community Mm -hmm. and that was our goal is community and we're seeing it. It's there. So it's really, I think one of the hardest parts about being um, a BCBA also, you can tell me what you think Mm -hmm. is kind of being that like sole practitioner that Mm -hmm. in so many places you are the only you know, person, whether it's you're running a clinic or you are supervising RBTs or you're going in, into a home, you're, you very much find that you're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's very hard for our people in our field to find that support. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like we're really trying to solve this global problem of accessibility and quality and seeing that maybe some individuals are not afforded that experience of having an amazing supervisor to disseminate all their information to directly. And I think you guys are doing it. You're, you're absolutely um, impacting this field in a great way. So thank you. Oh, thank well, you. Thank well, you. clearly you are too, because you're really taking action to make those changes where you see the need. And that's, a, that, that's huge. Like that just says that, you know, we care. We care about the, yep. the future of the field. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've seen how much it's changed over, you know, the last 15 or so years and it can right. only going to continue to change and we're going to continue to evolve with it. Yeah. Well, and I think also, you know, the space around the board's standards, they change. And even, you know, through newsletters, we're seeing different adjustments throughout the year. And I was kind of hoping that piece with the app could also be helpful. So as a clinician is needing to stay up to date on what the board is expecting, our app will always make sure that we're following those standards of making sure that the unique documentation system is in place especially since they now have taken away their Excel document mm-hmm. um, and no longer requiring that, um, but you can still utilize it, but no longer requiring it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. We are always looking to learn. And I think the board is also, yeah. and in, speaking of learning, is there, you said that you do a lot of training and stuff mm-hmm. for clinics. What is like, you know, the most common um, thing that you train on or that you find that people really need that, you know, expertise in like, what is, what is that, that piece? Mm. I really find in the last couple of years that especially RBTs as well as graduate students are looking to engage the child in their natural environment and move away from the structured discrete trial intensive teaching and how can I access their motivation um, in this natural environment and how do I teach in there and so I think well, that's, that's kind of a the, little response training so that all makes sense <laughs> hey that's where I live um yeah so I think that that's like a big question and how do I make that successful how do I build um data collection around that a lot of questions around that space for sure so what would you say to someone who had a question and how do I how do I motivate a child to learn in a natural environment? Pause and observe. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is you really just entering that space and thinking free operant preference assessment. I'm just doing a brief. I'm watching them for five minutes. And what is it that they walk towards? What is it that they're observing on a shelf? They might not necessarily be demanding for it, but truly just observe what are they engaging with by either actually touching and playing with and or tracking throughout the room and watching. And those are the stimuli that I would bring into the play space for sure. So often as therapists, we come in and like, we have our agenda and it's like, I brought in this ball. You are going to play with this ball, whether you like it or not. Meanwhile, like he's so interested in the car that's over there. And you're like, nope, the ball is on the list. So we're going to talk about taking away that car. (laughs) Yeah. Asking for ball. It's like you, you lose you forget why we're there in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love that suggestion. I think, I think we need to, in many instances, kind of take a step back and mm-hmm. look at the child and see like, where are they at? And like meet yeah. them where they're at, look at their interests. Yeah. So that's a great suggestion. Yeah. I think the pause is just so helpful. I really think back to like the young version of me from probably, I don't know, 2006 to maybe 2012. So like those first six years. And all I wanted was like teacher directed instruction. I was so comfortable and safe in this place where I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I think our kids are showing us that they really prefer to be in that child led space and they can do it. And so we just got to watch them. The child can do it. A therapist, mm, they have a harder time with it. So I love that you're training people on that because I know it makes people very uncomfortable to yeah. get on the floor and play. You know, I work in an environment where there's lots of different professionals working together, whether it's teachers, yeah. support staff, 
um, the, uh, ABA therapists, some, sometimes it's the ABA therapists that have the hardest time just playing, like just forget the, the work and the binders and the data and just, just get on the floor and yeah. engage. Yeah. Um, so I think as a field, we really need to work towards that. Yeah. I actually interview people and I say, here, play with a kid um, yeah. during the interview, obviously getting permission from parents, et cetera, ahead of time. But yeah. uh, part of the interview process is I need to see the way you play because it's so unnatural yeah. for so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's sometimes the best indicator of maybe somebody's willingness to even learn is if they're really uncomfortable with that, still being willing to step into it and to own, yes, I can work in this space. I can improve my skill set here. I did a training a couple of weeks ago. And I think, you know, the, the therapist that you're kind of painting a picture of, it makes me think of her. She was so, she flat out said to me, she was just like, I just cannot play. And I was like, great. All of us adults are going to go to the gym and we're just going to be silly and goofy mm-hmm. and play. And by the end of it, she was like the all-star champion because she was able to really let go and access this playful version of herself. And she was having a joyful time. And I think at the end of the day, if we're having a great time in our therapy sessions, it's more likely that the kiddo would be having also an enjoyable experience. Yeah, that's so fun. That's so great that she got to that place. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. Um, but, I mean, to your point of, you know, if we're having fun during our therapy sessions, I mean, that goes without saying with anything, any job in the entire world, if you're liking your job, or if you're having fun at what you do, it's going to show and your enthusiasm is going to come out. Yeah, completely mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so one of the things that we do kind of how we discussed was that we have a lot of new, um, newly certified BCBAs who mm-hmm. come and be a part of our community. If you could give them one piece of advice that, you know, mm-hmm. you've learned in your experience for that newly certified person, so they have their supervision, they're just starting out in the field. What would you tell them? Keep learning. I think these first couple of years that you're certified, trying to, whether it's finding a community like this or aligning yourself with a group of professionals where you live Um, but just keep learning and remember that, you know, this big old white Cooper book that we have is such a tool and it was not just for grad school. Keep reading it, keep reviewing it and use it throughout, um, those first couple of years. So the information just becomes, you know, such a second language for you. Absolutely. Great advice. Thank you, Angie. Yeah. And Angie, thanks so much for being on this today. It was so nice to speak with you. And like I said before, put a face to a name. Yes. And we hope you'll update us when your app is coming out. You said maybe February. So we could definitely revisit it and maybe have you on and talk more about the app and the amazing things that it's going to do in the field. Sounds great. I would absolutely love that. And, uh, We'll definitely make sure to give members um, kind of first access and some, I think we'll do like 250 like free memberships initially. So maybe some how to ABA members can get onto that. That sounds amazing. amazing. That would be great, Angie. Thank wow. you. Wow, We'll definitely be in touch. <laughs> okay. Um, okay well, thanks for being here and thanks for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com. 
and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.